Welcome to Orthopod, a podcast about the people of orthopedics and their stories. We understand that we all play many roles in our careers and lives, and it is these very stories that ultimately inform our successes and failures. I want to welcome you to Orthopod, a podcast for the people of orthopedics and their stories. And today is um, going to be an interesting session. We've got Daryl Yardley. Uh, and Daryl is a friend and colleague. I've, I've known him for well, five, six years now at mm-hmm. least, right? Yeah. Uh, let me give you a little bit of a bio. Is a Senior Director of Quality, Risk Management, and Clinical Services at BCHS, which is? Brent Community Healthcare Center. Brent Community Healthcare Center. He's a, he, he's a uh, part-time professor of business and entre- uh, entrepreneurship in physical therapy. At, this is a course at Western University. He also lectures at McMaster University, the University of Toronto, Queen's University, uh, and he pe- primarily lectures on business and practice management topics. Uh, he's a consultant uh, with a number of orthopedic and neurosurgeons and has a special interest in hip and spine. He's also co-authored multiple papers and he's uh, presented and, uh, at numerous conferences. Uh, he's been keynoted at a number of conferences and he's founder particularly of the, something I'm, I've been following quite a bit of is this Mentorship Bootcamp, a program offering business training and career coaching to practicing clinicians. Uh, he's an advisor with uh, Clinical Accelerator and consults with many clinic owners to grow their business. He's recruited and mentored well over, uh, well, in this case, well over 100, but I suspect that number keeps growing. Yeah. Um, so, and where can people follow you or interact with you if they want to, Daryl? Yeah, I think the best best way would be just on it through Instagram, and it's just at Daryl Yardley. So. Okay, so you can follow Daryl if you're interested in, in the content, at Daryl Yardley on Instagram, and you'll get back to folks as yep. they do so. Okay, so... When we think about um, all the things you're up to, um, specifically in the area of rehab and physiotherapy, what are the big concerns right now for practicing physiotherapists? I mean, we obviously talk about research, we talk about practice, we talk about administration, ownership. What are the big issues that you come across when you interact with physiotherapists? Yeah, great question, Mo. Um, so I think there's there's a big three in my mind. Um, so the first one is going to be the fact we just did a the Conference Board of Canada did it in in, a, in alignment with uh, the Canadian Physio Association and the Private Practice Division, and they did a uh, what is our unemployment rate right now? And as of, as of 2017, the unemployment rate for physiotherapists in Canada is 0.3 percent. Wow. Yeah. So you know when most people have that same reaction, and it's well, what does that mean? Well, quite frankly, if you have a job and you're looking to fill a vacancy, no one's sitting on the couch waiting for that phone call. So it's it's a very it's created a very competitive market. This is completely, and I'm not sure if you're aware of what's happening in orthopedics in Canada. It's quite the opposite. So I mean, last count, I mean, mm. um, was somewhere between 100 to 150 orthopedic surgeons who were without a permanent position. Um, who had been trained in Canada. So it's a very different situation, mm-hmm. but go ahead. Yeah. So it, and so what it does, though, is if you look at now system-wide, there's a the demand for physiotherapy, oh. and, and our service delivery far exceeds the supply. Yeah. So now you, you actually have two two things battling. So you've got a, a profession itself that says, you know, we're a, we're a key player to healthcare solution problem, or as a healthcare solution to all these massive problems with, you know, aging demographic, increased complexity of disease, but, also, but we don't have any individuals to, to help solve those problems. So what we've seen, though, is we've seen two things. We've had a, a challenge in our profession where what do we do with the assistant model? Yeah. You know, how do I go from being a technician and very tactical yeah. as a physiotherapist to all of a sudden I'm working in a delegated model where I'm working with an assistant and they've become my technician, right? So looking at it from a World Health Organization perspective, which is where they've called it as task shifting. 
So very well known in the dental model, very well yeah. known in, in, in the medical model. But despite it being around for quite some time, still very new and not fully accepted yet in, in the physiotherapy world, especially in private practice. Wow. Public sector, you've kind of been forced, right? Yeah. Or yeah, I shouldn't yeah. say forced. We, you've, because of resource allocation challenges and, and again, demand and, and looking at budgetary challenges and fiscal constraints in a hospital, you, you haven't really had a choice, right? Yeah. You're always looking at new models of care to deliver services. But in the private sector, I have a choice still. Do I give one-on-one physiotherapy care with PT and patient, or do I work in a, in a model of care where I work with an assistant and I actually impact more patients in a given day? Um, but this is where we, you know, our third big challenge comes into play, which is where we have a younger generation of therapists who come into an organization or to a clinic, yeah. and their expectations are a lot higher than my expectations when I graduated 13 years ago. Right. You know, I graduated. I think, I think that's a universal. Like this generation, you know, just because of you know where we are, um, believe that um, you know what we called "you've got to do it this way" doesn't always apply anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think that there's a piece though is around you know we all paid our dues and and this is the way it has to be right, you know right. i graduated and i th- think i made sixty eight thousand dollars my right. first year of practice and now you know there's individuals making over 100k in their first right. year of practice and it creates a lot of turmoil and and angst amongst clinic owners specifically okay. because it's like well you know i can't afford that yeah. or or there's there's you don't have any experience and you haven't even proved yourself yet so why are you worth that much money but if you look at our industry, and if we have a 0.3% unemployment rate, you, you have, you know, rehabs become Starbucks. There is a rehab facility on every corner, right. and sometimes across the street from each other. So then how do they differentiate, which is, which is I think yeah. you're getting to it, right? So the, I guess yeah. the point is, what, what advice do you give to physiotherapists? But similarly, what advice do you give to the owners of the yeah. clinics, right? That, yeah, that's that, the two things. Exactly, and that's a great, great point because this is the thing. So you know, I'll have owners who will come in, and rightfully so, and I want them to challenge what I'm saying is that you know that someone's going to demand higher salary than what you and I believe is, is fair. However, we're, we're, in a, we're in a scenario though right now where, unfortunately, we're not in the driver's seat. The clinician's in the driver's seat if you want to fill that vacancy right. and you want to impact the amount of patients in your community that need your services. Right. So what, what we started to get people to focus on, though, is your offer has to be better than the next offer. You know, and right now you could probably Google in Ontario on the Ontario Physiotherapy Association website and find at least 40 to 50 job ads. Wow. So if you were the clinician looking, oh, geez, where am I going to go work? Yeah. They all look the same. Right. So you have to have a better compelling offer than the next job. And then you're talking about competing with physio to physio clinic, oh, physio yeah. to chiro clinic. And then a big one's, you know, what happens if a physician owns a practice? And it's always been, well, you know, that, that, that's not the ethical way to do things. So what's considered, from the point of view of a physiotherapist, what's considered to be the dream position? In other words... You've interacted with so many, mm-hmm. um, and you've counseled so many. What What is the perfect makeup? So if you're saying, listen, you want to have and you want to retain great talent, you want to mm-hmm. bring in great talent, you have to offer this. And, right. I, and, and I'm sure, as I know with everything else, money is a part of it, but money r- rarely is the only thing that keeps you. Money will drive people away, but it won't keep them there either, right? I mean, like it's there's got to be other things. So what are those yeah. things that, no, that's... that create this ideal environment that we can ultimately, you know, 
retain great talent. Yeah, that's great. Um, and we just actually did this. So in, in the past, I would have said two weeks ago, Mo, I would have said it's these five things. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't have all the answers. Yeah, yeah. So what we we actually had a conference last week. I pulled up every, every physio who was would consider a job right now, looking for the next move. Right. And I said, and I want the younger generation up here because that's obviously who we're attracting at this point right, in time. Right, right. I said, what's your top five? Like, if you were to say that this is the job that I want today, what's the number one? Yeah. So the first one was mentorship. Right. And then from that, that though, we, we built that a little bit further. I said, but what does that mean? You know, yeah. And yeah, no yeah, one's yeah. giving yeah. concrete. I'm like, no, no, I need to know what does that mean. So if you yeah. can't define mentorship, yeah. you can't ask for mentorship. Yes, Because yes, I yes, can't yes. put a dollar value on that. Right, 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 right. So then the second piece was culture, oh. which is interesting, right? Yeah. And, and you and I have had conversations Which goes past. back to the whole fundamental point. We always think it's – I think you make it about money when there's nothing else there mm-hmm. I, in life, right? Yep. But when you have other things that fulfill you, money is usually the last thing on your mind, usually. But That's keep going. Right. This is great. Yeah. Mentorship culture. Culture. And then and then from the culture, though, is that you know a lot of them don't know how, how do you demonstrate that there's good culture there, yeah. right? And, and one of the key things that I would say that I've seen from individuals who've been very successful of demonstrating their culture yeah. have a significant amount of people following them on Instagram. Really? Yep. So just you know, you know, just simple little things like movement challenges, or even the stuff that you guys oh, have yeah, been yeah, working Matt, on, right? Matt's is you know, I, I'm busy at work, and then I have this fun side to yes, me, which yes, is yes. mountain biking, yeah, you know, yeah, trail yeah, riding. Yeah, yeah. That's how people can start to demonstrate their culture because it's very hard to put in a job description, right? It is. So it that is. was uh, that was another key piece. The third one though was growth opportunity, and oftentimes we have a hard time saying, oh, yeah, you know, you know, maybe we'll make you a clinic manager, right? But if you have a small clinic. You, you won't. What are you managing? Yeah, no, yeah, right. But it, it's all about taking that young generation and saying, you know, you all may you may not want to be an entrepreneur per se, but entrepreneurship has become right. a big thing in the physiotherapy industry. Is you know, I've I've got an idea. I can I can make this work. Right. But I need the infrastructure because right. I'm a little risk adverse, yeah. so which is I'll, really how I was. I'll innovate within the structure. Yes. And relative safety of, of of an environment. That's right. That you know, like of a business environment, rather than. I'll go on my own as an entrepreneur and try to do it myself. Yeah, and, okay. and maybe in due time they will. But the key thing is is that help them champion something, Yeah. right, and support them along the way so they can help you and your business impact more patients, right? And then they feel that ability to say, you know what, I just led this, yeah. and, I, and, I took the, and I took the reins on this, and look what we did together. And that's a big piece, right, because their, their fourth identifier was collaboration. So you can kind of see how those are linked together. Yeah, they're all completely linked. Um, and I was – but – it was a little bit hard, right? So you're, you know, I'm poking at these, you know, these poor, these poor individuals in the audience, going, "Well, I didn't sign up for this session to come and talk, but, yeah, yeah. but you're here now. What do you mean by collaboration?" Yes, and it's it's an internal and it's an external component. Right. And internally, they're like, "You know what? I just want to be in an environment where I have like-minded people, and clinicians, and yeah. support staff, and we we support each other, we talk to each other, but at the same point in time, I want to know though what's what is the connection within a community." Right, so therapists going into private practice, there's a sense that you want to be part of, you know, being in your rural area or whether you're even in an urban center. What can you do? Right, um, and that's sort of the piece where we always come up with, you know, my pat- background and where I get a lot of questions is you know, how do you form these relationships with all these physicians, right? Yeah. And that was a big collaboration piece that actually takes when I was recruiting in that world. Yeah, is that's a big driver of an added offer. So let me ask you this: What? How does? I mean, part of part of you know, at least, you know, when we think about the clinician in orthopedics, muscle, tendon, bone, whatever mm-hmm. that is, yep. know, specifically whatever your vocation in that area is, how does data generally inform some of the things that, that people do? So, for example, how important in mentorship, in culture, in collaboration is 
you know, the R word, research involved. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily that every physiotherapist is, you know, wanting to, to collect data for research, but how important mm-hmm. is it for, like, is the use of evidence in the day-to-day lives and practice? And, for example, is a, quote, brand of an evidence-based physiotherapist stronger than the brand of one who wouldn't necessarily brand themselves that way? You know, like, well, what is the, mm-hmm. is, is there a brand around evidence that is also welcome. I'm assuming the answer is yes, but I don't know the extent to which it, it permeates. In orthopedics, for example, you know, uh, research and evidence for most academic institutions is like it is, you know, it's, it's, both, mm-hmm. it's the highest that you should be aiming for. Many, many faculty are hired with the prerequisite that they have at least competency in the consumption of evidence-based mm-hmm. practice or in many ways are being hired to do something as part of their, their right. practice. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually a really interesting question because for us if you look at what is driven outside of the university right. it's about evidence-based practice right. and we spend tons of time learning about evidence-based practice and then you know and then bringing that into into practice right. i think the challenge of where, where us as clinicians have struggled for quite some time though is that there's there's two concepts and i think i don't think they're true by any means but it's you know the research is delayed from clinical practice so you know there's been a change whether it's a funding change it's a ministry systemic change already in the industry and now what the evidence is saying i should do is is actually behind you know current practice in state however there's still a lot of individuals that want to focus on evidence-based practice and and looking at Try to take what you guys have built in the in evidence based medicine world right. and instill into practice and drive those changes. The challenge, though, for us is that um, you know some of our outcome measures are are required in, in a way, right? So I yeah, must right. I must complete this outcome measure because the funder for right for patient yeah, it's, X it's requires that. Right? It's That's it right. A lot in the hospital That's right. As well. right, right. And the part though that we're trying to get people to realize though is that. You know, evidence-based medicine and practice for us is there's certainly a clinical component to it, but you also want to be able to figure out how does that drive the patient experience aspect of what we do. Because right. interestingly, for us in private practice is you know I'm I'm dealing with a consumer of healthcare, yeah. so we're really trying to get individuals to realize that what we've done for years in right. physiotherapy, you know, it's always it's very difficult because it's sort of that art and the science coming together. What I do as a clinician right. is different than what you know the next therapist may do. But as long as you know we get you better, as if you were a patient, Mo, yeah. is that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And then sure. what we want to start to do is get though a little bit more thought and, and energy at the clinical level, though. So you know I'm not going to be a researcher per se, but I want to start to participate in that research. So we start to bring those two worlds closer yep. together yep. and create much more meaningful information, data, yep. and education for patients that's science based but applicable in real time at a, at a clinic level. Oh, that's superb. Now, I'm going to flip a little bit to ask about how how you manage your day to make all this happen in your life. So, simple question, what's your morning routine? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I was going to just start with a very patient wife. But, um, yeah, so morning routine is... What time do you wake up? Uh, 5, 5.30. 5.30, yeah. yeah. Okay, what do you do? So I mean, aside from the brushing your teeth. Yeah, no, no. So it's Cold an interesting shower, point. So th- I, I've been following, you know, a whole bunch of individuals, you know, habits of, you know, high-performing yeah, 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 yeah. individuals, right? And they say, you know, don't hit snooze. Yes. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. New Year's resolution. First day I hit snooze. Yes. I'm like, you know, it's just a mindset. So I was like, 6 a.m., get up, go downstairs, yeah. and start working. Not Don't answer emails because I don't have time for emails. Okay, so you get up at 5.30. Yeah. Um, you 
you brush all that kind of stuff. I hit snooze because okay. I, oh, I had hit snooze. Okay, you hit yeah, snooze. Hit snooze. Okay, you get, you get up and then you shower or do you just go right? No, there? right. I got to do some work downstairs. Okay, so you go downstairs. What work do you do? So that's sort of where I, my mind's the freshest in the morning. Yep. So I've got a, a day where, and what I usually spend time on is what do I need to do that day. So okay. I make sure that I block and batch my schedule. So scheduler planner. Are yeah. you on your iPhone or are you on a computer? Or are you just no, I'm on my laptop. Laptop. Okay. So you open mm-hmm. your laptop. How long are you on that for? I know. I'm giving you. Yeah. A- no. No. About thirty minutes to forty five, depending 30, on what I have to do. No emails at that point, no. or just actually you're no. planning your day. Okay. Yeah. Laptop closed. What do you do? Then I'll go up and you know, just wake the kids up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> actually, yeah. I actually have to phone my wife, though, because she needs to get ready for work first. That's awesome. And she'll sleep through. So I have to call the house, and she gets up because I'm downstairs <laughs> in my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's and then cool. it's kids to school, and okay. then it's the office. Okay, and then at some point you're showering and having getting ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, in okay there. so that's yeah. happening. Okay, so I was just in Helsinki, and they are big proponents of the cold, you know, sort of the hot and cold cycling. Do you have anything, any sort of routine around hot or cold? No, it's always hot. It's always hot. Okay. Yeah. Try cold. 30 seconds. I've been yeah. cold, right? There's, there's interesting stuff. I've been trying for 30 days to go with a cold blast in the morning. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it has all kinds of benefits. Fewer sick days, apparently. So really? I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm going to test it. Yeah, there's, I'll send you the paper for that. It's actually okay. pretty Yeah, it's good to know. Okay, so you get up, you do that. Um, and then, so what time are you usually out of the house and into your, quote, day? Or yeah. do, are you working from home a lot, I guess? No, yeah. I'm, with me being at the, at the hospital still yeah, right, right now, right, too. Right, right. Um, I sp- I'm in the office most yeah. days. Um, so I'm out of the house by about quarter to eight. Quarter to eight, okay. Yeah. And your typical work week, hours? Yeah, I would say hospital-wise, it's around you know forty, forty-four, yeah, yeah. and then you know looking after the clinics right. and yeah. the boot camp and and the coaching and stuff. Yeah. So I'm probably around you know sixty, sixty to seventy hours. Yeah, a so week. that's a lot. And then final thing is, what do you do outside of your work? And I have this real belief, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll probably spend more time on another time. Yeah. Um, that the things you do outside of work actually make you better at your work. So what are kind of the things you like to do outside of your core business? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. And uh, you and I have had these conversations oh, for quite some time about right. that. So, you know, so it's still that piece where there's, you know, dedicated family time. So it's yeah. it's it's in that schedule that yeah. Fridays or it's yeah. family time. It's it's movie day, awesome. right? So it's just keeping you grounded that way for yeah. myself. But then there's always that piece where every week there's still, there's a night out with, it's hockey and, and it's, you know, we're, we're clearly a little bit more on the hack side of things yeah, now, right? Yeah, but play, it's still yeah, fun, still and, and it's a matter of chatting with your friends. But it's it's nice because it's different than just going out and, ha- you know, in the past where you just had these, you know, these boy weekends, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's about, you know, it's taught about work. How's it going? What's, what you know, what's going on at your office and what are you yeah, struggling with? Perspective, yeah. And at the same point in time, you you know, having fun, a little bit of activity, but it's trying to, where I need to get to a little bit better now, though, is is more in a routine, though, get my physical activity back up. And as a physiotherapist, I should know this better, but getting back into some of those routines, because at a point, though, is, you know, we've talked about it before, is how much more hours in a day can I do that are going to make me better at what I do, as opposed to keeping me healthy and keep my mind in a better state, and then your productivity actually becomes, you know, better that way. Wise words. And on that note, Daryl, wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thanks for watching Orthopod. Stay tuned for more episodes. 